0: I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than need a
1: lesser. Make out of the lesser. head Just because it was right there in the dresser so easy.
2: Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell
1: Elliott. And all I hear is just white noise when we're speaking Let's do our shrievel from the voices
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do apologize. A 34-minute delay. Hopefully, we are back online right now. I have never worked so hard to get a show going here uh, tonight. It is me. It is Eric Balkman at Eric Balkman. It is the HSFF Hour, at HSFF Hour on Twitter. And I think we are finally ready to bring aboard uh, our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen. He is, uh, has been playing fantasy football in a friend's league for about 10 years and five years ago, he discovered Money League started dabbling and doing quite well with a shared team with his wife. He joined the FFPC last year for a few weeks before the season, did four football guys teams, you best ball leagues, and a Terminator team as well. This past spring, congratulations.
0: Mira. The audio just went out. He was introducing me
2: tickets in a new year yeah. he said he never knew it was possible ironically that is the team that is now in fifth place in the football guys players championship please welcome former minor league hockey goalie and current lawyer and your fifth place overall football guys players championship team owner jeff blair jeff i cannot thank you enough for hanging out as long as you did welcome to the program man
0: oh thanks eric thanks for having me
2: I, uh, I I I listen. This is a world record. We've done. We, we've got almost eight hundred thousand downloads. Well over five hundred shows. Never had a thirty-four minute delay before. So congratulations to you for putting up with that tonight, my friend. Uh, uh, no let's problem. Get into it that right usually now. happens with me so, and technology. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea the history of bad technology on this show. Uh, it, it's uh, it was <laughs> a perfect storm, I guess. Today. So. I, I wanna get into um fantasy football obviously with you. But before we do that, can you tell us sort of um your like how you how you got to become a college uh collegiate hockey player, played in the minors for a little bit, and how you got into your current field, uh, of of law.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Um yeah, I was a big uh hockey player. I'm from Buffalo, New York, so we grew up playing hockey. Um Went to a high school that's pretty famous for uh, producing some great hockey players. I was not one of the great ones, but managed to get some uh, calls for college. Played goalie in college for four years, and then my senior year, some of the minor league teams started calling. So I wasn't drafted or anything, but played in the minors for almost two years till they uh, sent me packing, cause I was, probably because I was about 5'9 on a good day. And then decided <laughs> I needed... <laughs> needed to go to uh, get a real job. And my father was a lawyer growing up, so I always had an interest in the law and then eventually made it into law school and then uh, wound up just staying in Buffalo and joining uh, the firm. And now we're partners together with a small business firm.
2: What was, uh, just curiously, what was minor league hockey like? Is it, is it as unglamorous as it sounds?
0: I mean, it depends what you think of uh you know, Subway, Blimpy, Burger King. <laughs> those can be pretty glamorous. Uh, and, yeah, it was very unglamorous, but um, it was a great experience. I wouldn't, uh, I'm very glad I chose to do it. And some of the best memories of my life were those long bus rides. A lot of the leagues were in Texas. Uh, teams were in Texas, believe it or not. So I've seen huh. the great state of Texas. But, uh, I mean, yeah, believe it or not, one of the guys on our team, he was from, uh, he made it in the NHL for like six years, so he was on his way down. So he had the stories of, you know, playing on the, uh, playing on the line with Igor Larianov, one of the greatest players ever, to riding a bus with us.
2: And, and uh, it, it, that's sort of like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Semi-Pro, but that was sort of Woody Harrelson's character in that movie, where, where he won the NBA championship with the Celtics and then <laughs> played with the Flint Tropics to end his career. Uh, so I guess that's how your uh, teammate was. Speaking of teammates, I want to welcome in my teammate right now, the KFFSC commissioner, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I do apologize for all the audio issues, man. But we have you aboard right now with uh, fifth place team owner in the uh, Football Guys Players Championship, Jeff Blair. How you doing, buddy? Welcome, welcome in. Uh, hey, it's great. Up, hey, Jeff, how you it's doing? Quite
1: good to finally catch up with you guys. I don't mind missing the first however many minutes I've been gone, but now you're talking movies without me, and now you know now I'm a little, little little heartache now. And I've missed – I I feel that I've missed a lot of great information from you, Jeff. Congratulations on such a wonderful start to the season. Oh, thanks. Thank you.
0: But uh, we'll see. There, we'll see. It's a lot of luck.
2: Well, and there is uh, a, the luck element into it, and, and there's strategy that goes into it as well. And some would say stacking is important. And, Farrell, you have a question about stacking, specifically – about Jeff's fifth-place team and how he employed that strategy, my friend.
1: Uh, good job, Jeff. You know, the, the stack mastering that you have uh, have been on has put you in some mighty tall cotton for this season. Um, you know, I, I, ask, uh, I ask a lot of the guys the question, because this is how I approach stacking. If I go out planning to target certain players from teams, it doesn't ever seem to work that way. But if it falls to me, I just sort of accept it and go after it. Your stack that has been so successful, Tyreek Hill at 1-8, Patrick Mahomes at 3-8. Uh, was this a plan, or was it something that just happened? Well, it's interesting.
0: Good question, because I actually learned about stacking from watching, uh, I think, old podcasts of you gentlemen. Oh, so when wow. I really started diving into fantasy, um, it occurred to me that I started reading the the articles and the data on stacking and so obviously i figured in a, a big tournament low odd tournament like this i figured stacking was uh was a good solution but i agree with you Farrell. if you go in uh planning for it it might not you might be reaching on some draft picks that you might regret later
2: I think that's all, like when you, when we talk about stacking and season long too, I think that's how the really successful players do it. Nobody goes in saying, Oh, I got the eight pick. I'm going to take Hill at eight and I'll give I'll grab Mahomes either on the back, you know, on the, on the, on the turn or I'm going to grab him in the third round. Nobody does that. At least no, nobody successful that I know. It's just one of those things with happenstance, you know, where, where if it presents itself, you take advantage of it. Um, I got a Kentucky team too, where I didn't set, set out to stack but I ended up with Godwin, Antonio Brown, Tom Brady, Gronk uh, on that team. That's just the way it ended up. It's, it's not something you set out to do, and I think that's how, how the, the most successful high-stakes uh, fantasy players play it. Now, a, a question for you, Jeff, and, and we, we got word today that Alex Collins did not practice once again for Seattle. Uh, now, it is the Monday night game, so the Saturday practice rather than the Friday practice will be the biggest tell. But right now, uh, and I shouldn't say right now, but earlier today, you had Alex Collins in as, uh, as a starting running back for you over Josh Jacobs. This is in the fifth-place overall team. So do you believe that despite Alex Collins not practicing yesterday or today, he's still worth the roll of the dice on Monday night? Or if he doesn't practice tomorrow, are you getting him out of there and putting Josh Jacobs in?
0: Yeah, I think I was just being a little bit um... – Optimistic or lazy with my lineup there. I, I think I'll put Josh Jacobs in there. i uh, the safer with the Monday night. I don't think I could risk it. But yeah, I'll be looking at the Seahawks practice report tomorrow. But versus the Saints, Rushdie, I probably uh, I probably won't go with my gut there. I'll probably
1: chicken out and put Jacobs in. You know, uh, you you never can go wrong. You never can't go wrong with the Raiders, Jeff. Now, you know, there's another player. <laughs> that I haven't gone wrong with over the years, especially when I look back to 2017, 2018. And I thought that this year the 13th, 14th, 15th round would roll around, and I would he would be there. And it, I was getting him at, at every turn, and that's one Zach Ertz. And, and I didn't believe that – the career was over. Actually, I've always thought with urge that a little something, even though nine years, two Pro Bowls, a Super Bowl, I've always thought that something was missing. Now he leaves Philadelphia. He he comes to Arizona loaded with this talented roster and this multidimensional quarterback. And I don't think a better player and a better target could be in the center of the field. I think he's going to be successful at Philadelphia. Now it's unlimited success, and I'm thinking, man, in the mid-teens, didn't I, didn't, I pick a, didn't I pick an excellent player? and I'm looking to put him in my lineups this weekend. Are you doing the same?
0: Oh, you better believe it. Yeah, that's interesting, Farrell. I actually was targeting him in the drafts solely because there's so many rumors. Again, I'm from Buffalo. I was hoping and expecting that he would wind up on the Bills. But I drafted oh, I him, I was too. thinking there was something left in the tank and hoping he would get, get dealt. I was hoping he'd get dealt this summer, but I think that's probably why we were able to get him in the 15th round.
2: And, now, and he's, Jeff, he's got a new so,
0: home now. That's
2: good. Yeah, he, yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and, I'm excited Jeff, for
0: for the Arizona.
2: But I think as a Bills fan, you have to be, I mean, certainly disappointed that Ertz didn't come aboard initially. you got to be thrilled. With what you've seen from Dawson Knox, my friend.
0: Oh yeah, he's been unbelievable. The guy's a touchdown machine. But uh, I think I think lots of gentlemen could do well in the Bills tight end because this defenses seem to really be paying attention to, uh, and Sanders this year. So I mean, he's just wide open some some plays.
2: All right, so Farrell is going to ask you a question about um, why you loaded up on the bills, and I think we already have our answer there. But before we get to why you were so <laughs> bullish on so many bills this year, I do want to ask you a little bit about your, your bidding this week for this fifth-place team overall in the, in the Football Guys Players Championship. Um, Jared Patterson is who you acquired. Um, you bid on him. You won him. I, I wouldn't say it was crazy. I think it was less than 100 bucks you bid on him. But the, the question really is this. Was this a case of, okay, the the, the waiver wire ran Wednesday night. We didn't know exactly what Antonio Gibson's shin, you know, his his stress fracture, whatever it is, was going to be like there. We didn't know how serious it was. Was this a case of just kind of, you know, covering your behind to to try to make sure that you had a, a piece of that Washington run game in case Gibson couldn't go on Sunday? Or was this a case of, hey, look, that Patterson? I believe in him. I think he could be a difference maker here at the end of my bench and down the stretch. Take us through the, the thought process of why you decided to bid on and, and ultimately win, Jarrett Patterson.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on both reasons. Because a combo, um, one, I do believe in the player because uh, again, another Buffalo connection. He was a UB yeah. University of Buffalo back. He broke mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. records and. When undrafted, I'd say I'd argue just because of 40 times and height, which we know how much that does not mean these days. (laughs) But um, something you touched on, Eric, is really I just believe – I believe in that Washington running game. So I believe whoever – you know, as we saw last night with Johnson, some teams are built to run the ball, and there's lots of capable backs out there. So I just have the feeling, I'm hoping – well, no, I shouldn't say I'm hoping, but each game that the Redskins lose, I feel like they're getting closer to maybe shutting Antonio Gibson down. I don't know what it, oh. you know, what's really going on. I don't know what's really going on with his shin, but it just has that feeling where each week, you know, he's not practicing. He is a little limited last week. So I do believe that uh, as great as McKissick is, I don't think he'll be there every down back. So if Gibson were to be out, Like you alluded to, the Wednesday night waivers, I figured it was worth a small shot. So I think I bid maybe 59. I think I got them a few teams, but um, I I definitely didn't go over 100 in any of them, maybe 79,
1: 59. That's a good good job. And I'm glad, Jeff, I am glad that no one really had access to watching highlight films uh, uh, from Jarrett Patterson's time as a Buffalo Bull. Because he, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Ball State, whoever was in that conference, they never want to see anything that looks like Jared Patterson again. All five foot six inches of it, he absolutely destroyed the. He absolutely destroyed the MAC. Uh, you know, uh, this last uh, uh, Buffalo Bills game had to, to tear at your heart a little bit, but I think it was a. Uh, a sleeping giant that has been awakened. I think these guys uh, are going to come back much more focused and much more impressive as a team, and I expect them to really run through the rest of this season. And congratulations. Now I understand the reasoning perhaps behind your uh, laden uh, roster of Buffalo Bills. I was trying to figure it out because – because uh, we wondered where the balance was. With Stephon Diggs, he's the gold standard of the team. You went Gabriel Davis. I did not. I kind of, I kind of read through the tea leaves because I have such respect for Emmanuel Sanders and Balky. And I talked on the show about how the general manager had always wanted and was going to find a place. Yep. For him. Sanders is playing better football now than he's played all year long. And the two running backs, I thought they both would improve, but I thought Singletary. Would improve the most. Did you make a concerted effort to go out and get bills? How did you line them up? Where did you? And and I, I got to tell you, before I let you guys go on our podcast in the KFFSC, I was on there with Robbie <laughs> Fetcher, and I said, you know what? I'm going to start Beasley in front of A.J. Brown. and Fetcher told me I was crazy, oh. and I still got a plus five-and-a-half point move. And at halftime, I Good even for looked you. Like more of a genius. So, anyway, I'm all about the Buffalo Bills this year. You were there first. Tell me about how you lined up those players.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm glad you guys asked. So, obviously, I am a Bills fan, but this was uh, less a Homerism move and more uh, value-based. I just felt after last year's passing display they put on, I mean, Allen had, what, over 4,500 4, yards last year. Uh, that said, Besides Diggs and Allen, I didn't think there was proper value being assigned to the Bills' second, third, and fourth receivers. So, yeah, I mean, I have Gabe Davis the most, but my second most owned player is uh, Farrell, Emmanuel Sanders. So I am, mm-hmm. I am with you. I knew Bean had been chasing him for a few years. And Emmanuel was ready to play with a big-armed quarterback because he wasn't shy about it. So I just couldn't believe. Some drafts I would be like, okay, that's enough. No more Bills. No more Emmanuel. (laughs) And then they just kept falling. (laughs) So I really did believe by the end of the summer, if they have those guys that same offense had a scar on their helmet, you know, if they were the Cowboys or maybe a more public team, I think some of these guys would have been going – a round or two higher in fantasy drafts, but they just kept falling into my lap and I expected, you know, the bills have a soft schedule this year. I expect them to keep throwing. So I just loaded up on as many as I get, whether it was Zach Moss. And then I had read, you know, I don't know, Farrell, you know more about the, uh, the inside info of these guys, but Devin Singletary, he'd had two pretty good years in the NFL. And he never really even had a running back specific trainer. So, you notice he was a little bit uh, a little pudgy last year, I thought. But this year, he, his body looks different. He looks built. Um, he's pretty explosive.
2: You know, and the other so, thing, too, is so he and, kept and
0: falling. Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's some drafts I would say, all right, no more Devin Singletary. And then he would be <laughs> staring at me in the 11th
2: round, and said, this team's going <laughs> to score a lot of touchdowns, so.
1: I love that. I love that analysis.
2: And and I'll tell you this, guys. One, t- you know, two of the receivers that slipped in a lot of my drafts that I was proud to scoop up whenever I could. One, Emmanuel Sanders, and one, Marvin Jones. You know, a, underrated veteran receivers that, that I think have not gotten the respect that they deserve the last couple of years, and they've been cashing me um, a lot of wins over the last couple of weeks. Farrell, I mentioned it, eighteen and four last week. Nineteen and three this week for me. So hopefully go, it, it bulky, keeps getting you're better. Fire. I I'm on I fire. Do, and I'm on right, really? it, wow. it, it, it it's gonna be crazy, um, because uh, I'll probably go three and nineteen this week with the biocalypse on our hands. But uh oh, I am in a lot of trouble.
0: Friends. I'm in a lot of trouble this week with all the Bills and Cowboys buys.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean like and, and and I this is this is part of the lost podcast that nobody heard at the start of the show today. But Jeff, I was saying that too. You know, not only do we have six teams on bye this week, but think about the fantasy implications for six of those teams: Buffalo, Dallas, the Los Angeles Chargers, um, you know, no Jacksonville with James Robinson or whatever. But the Vikings and who am I forgetting? Who's the other big ba- Pittsburgh? You know, with Claypool and Pittsburgh, Deontay Johnson. Yeah. yeah, Najee Harris and all that. It's just, it's insane the amount of fantasy guys that are, are being shelved this week because of buys. But if you can make it through week seven, hey, man, kudos to you. The, you won't need the support group yes. anymore because things will get you. Yeah, easier I have a lot of you.
0: Deontay Johnson as well. Smart. Yeah, it's right. As so right. As well.
1: Fetch and I added it up on, on our show. We came to the number, and this was a conservative number. There's 26 players that you start uh, no matter what. It's it's a no it's a no thought process. Uh, put them in, start them, let them go. This week that are not available. It's it's and then, then there's many wow. others that you would that you that you would make an argument for getting in your lineup. So it, it's. It's quite it's quite a week, and I seem to be playing head-to-head. I will say this. I seem to be playing head-to-head with people that have no uh, players on by this week. I, I've looked at some of the matchups and I'm like, how the hell, hell is this <laughs> So it's, it's, yeah, uh, how it always works. hey, with Bills and Cowboys, guys, we're, uh, you know, if we can get past this week, it, it's it's clear sailing the rest of the way. Balky, what, what, That's right. what, what, what do you got on your mind?
2: Well, I'll tell you this. It's what, what Kevin Williamson has on his mind. The Bourbon City baller himself in the chat room tonight, he has a tough flex question that, is, um, that he's facing because of the bye weeks. And, Jeff, I'll pose this to you. He has a situation where he has to start one of the following running backs uh, in his team or on his uh, squad. It's either going to be uh, Khalil Herbert, who is going against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the suddenly starting Khalil Herbert, obviously with, with no David Montgomery, and no um, uh, Damian Williams. He is on the road in Tampa. His other um, uh, running back that he's trying to fight, well, he's going to be right in my backyard here in Green Bay. It's J.D. McKissick, who is at the Packers this week. Jeff, if you could only play one of those guys this week, would it be a Khalil Herbert in Tampa or J.D. McKissick in Green Bay?
0: Oh, wow. I'm, for me, as much as I like uh, Herbert, I like uh, what I see of the tape, but uh... – Going up against the Bucks run defense uh, with a game script where they'll likely be trailing, and vice versa with McKissick. I don't love starting guys who are um, catch dependent, but I mean with that Washington defense, the I mean the odds of the uh, the football team, as they call them now, the Washington football team trailing. I mean, they're most likely to be trailing early in that game. So I personally would go with McKissick because I expect him to get a lot of uh, garbage-time dump-offs. Yeah, Herbert yeah Hill and, Bucks
2: yes. and, and I'll, t- I'll say this, gentlemen, and, and Farrell, I'll, I'll throw this to you. I'm with Jeff here. I think the negative game script for both of these players, um, it favors McKissick in Green Bay. It does not favor Khalil Herbert. In Tampa, especially when you consider the, the the stout run defense that Tampa has and the not so stout <laughs> run defense that Green Bay has, so I would roll yeah. with McKissick over Herbert, despite Herbert's good showing last week. Farrell, where do you fall in on this?
1: Yeah, easy decision, Bulky. You're right there because Tampa's giving up 50 yards rushing. I think the question is, can Herbert catch the ball? And I think he can, and I think he'll have to to get to fantasy points. But McKissick. Uh, Jeff, if you've listened to us before, McKissick is, is a favorite of, of this show. We propped him up last year, and, and we said earlier this year, we pushed the brakes on him a little bit, but we said 60 catches, not 80. He's right on line to get 60 catches. We said 300 yards, and guess what? Through a third of the season, he's collected 100 yards. He's a good player in a good situation. I like him, too. He's steady, and he's consistent. Giving you the points that you want. He's the he's the new uh, he, he's the new White. Uh, the running back's to James White. James they're, White. They're, yeah. They're, I mean, I liked him yeah, even in
0: Seattle when I would watch him in some of their blowouts, but they never really wanted to give him a chance. It was Seattle, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, um, but yeah. yeah, I like Herbert in a vacuum. You know, I like almost Herbert uh, better, but not this week with uh, that Tampa Rundy, as you said, Farrell and McHizick. I mean, Green Bay is probably going to put up some points. I mean, is this Washington defense going to wake up or what are they doing out there? <laughs> well, it's
2: interesting. 30? So it's interesting. it's interesting you say that, Jeff, because um, I host an uh, afternoon talk show here in terrestrial radio in northeast Wisconsin, and we've been talking Packers and, and the WFT all week. Um, and one oh, yeah. of the things we talked about is how Washington... You remember, you keep this in mind, too, not that I want to turn this show into a, 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 an NFL non-fantasy show, but you, you look at Tampa Bay's march through the playoffs last year. The team that really came closest to beating Tom Brady's Buccaneers was Washington, you know, and it was because of that defense. And for whatever reason this year, the secondary has been totally porous. Um, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne up front, they're doing their job. But the, the seven guys behind him really aren't cutting the mustard for whatever reason. So I don't really necessarily think that they're going to slow down. You know, the, the, talk, uh, the, um, the tonic to get right is not going to Lambeau and facing Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and so on and so forth. So I don't really expect Washington to slow down that portion of the Packers' uh, uh, offensive attack. But I do think that we will see Robert Tunyon struggle again For the umpteenth straight week, this is a guy who had, you know, seemingly 40, 50 touchdowns last year from Aaron Rodgers. He had like one, maybe two this year at at the most. Uh, Can you put your finger on this, Jeff, of of why Tunyon has been struggling so much this year? And and what are your thoughts on him potentially being able to turn this around and still making a a, a march towards maybe finishing as a top 10 tight end in the FFPC in 2021?
0: You know, that's a great question. I... I uh, I think I drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid this year um, oh. based on his year last year. But, Farrell, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the years, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't traditionally – his tight ends never really put up big numbers over the years. I remember my That's first year of playing fantasy football to Michael Finley in Texas. I had a big man crush on him, and he just never – he never got going. Martellus Bennett, he showed some signs, but – Rogers doesn't seem to favor the tight end as much as a Brady or some other guys. I feel like him and Russell Wilson never really they don't use the tight end as much as some of the other big QBs.
1: So I so don't much I slant think he's patterns. Be so so, so yeah. many slant patterns in the middle of that field and a, and always a very productive pass catching running back who kept Rogers away from the tight end where Tanya had exploded and where he came to fame with fantasy ballers, uh Despite our 1.5 per uh, uh, scoring per catch in the FFPC, which is where we get that value, with Tanya we got the value with the touchdowns. Fifty odd catches, Touchdown. nothing really yeah. to write home about, but those multiple touchdowns—I think it was seven or eight—and were very exciting and they, they paid off for fantasy managers. So he was a little overinflated, uh, and, and he's come down to earth. Is about what you would expect from a uh, from a Green Bay uh, uh, tied end. Now you know there's a team. In the AFC East, that the Buffalo Bills are consistently bringing down to earth, and that is the Miami Dolphins. But this week, <laughs> they, uh, they get back to yeah, Tua. Tanyan,
0: Tanyan had 11 TDs last year, which is incredible. So, oh, yeah, he's definitely touchdown
1: dependent.
0: Touchdown dependent.
1: 7 and 11, my favorite number. So
0: fantastic <laughs> in that.
1: So, but, you know, Tua comes back uh, this week. Uh, Devonte Parker, the pride of Ballard High School right here in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, will probably return this week. I think that none of this affects the, the high ceiling that I have uh, for Jalen Waddle this week. I think Waddle, when when he does play the Bills, when he does play New England, but right, when when he plays everyone in this division, I think he's going to be a highly successful. Uh, you know, receiver for what we need in fantasy. Now this week it's Atlanta, and and Atlanta has a, a an old defensive coordinator, and and they got a lot of young guys on defense, and I like a lot of young guys. I've Talk about them all night, but I'm finally going to get to my question. Are you playing Waddle? Is he a put in your? Is he a put him in your lineup uh, every week, no matter what? Because I think you really got to play him this week with big expectations. I think uh, this week for sure for me,
0: and I think he should be an every-week player, but I don't know why the Dolphins keep running him on three-yard routes. Maybe you, you would know better, but, I mean, the, the kid is explosive. I mean, before his ankle injury in Bama, he was taking 70 yards every other catch, it seemed like. So I definitely think his talent is there, and I think each week he's going to get – the Dolphins are finally going to realize that he is their best option no offense to the Devant, devante parker but i think waddle's got a bright future um regardless of how messy the dolphins offense looks right now
2: i um i and and i kind of regret not going in on waddle in both my dynasty leagues and redraft leagues because he looks like the real deal and maybe it yeah. poisoned me seeing him you know hobble around in on one leg in that um a college football championship game because he was clearly not yeah. ready to come back. And, and I'm paying the price right now, Jeff, like I'm that. paying the price. He shouldn't have been out there, but he recovered and he's crushing it for the dolphins right now, which, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm heavily, I targeted him in a lot of my
0: best ball leagues and, uh, bulky. I did my first dynasty team this year. I never, uh, I discovered yeah. the joys of dynasty. He was my main target for dynasty. I really wanted him. So, yeah,
2: and well, congratulations! I really believe he's the
0: next. He's the closest thing to Tyreek Hill I've seen in terms of just explosiveness. But the Dolphins, maybe it's because Tua's arm strength or what they think is a lack of. But I've seen Tua throw it deep in college for three years. I think they should right? unleash him a little bit.
2: Yeah, and Tua Waddle as well. You know, college teammates as yeah. well. So we we will see what happens there uh, this week against the uh, the, the uh, Atlanta Falcons. I got ridiculed.
0: Now, one thing I, t-
1: that that
0: go game go ahead, worries ahead, me because I signed, <clears throat> I signed the uh, with all these bye weeks with Josh Allen and Dak Prescott. I signed Tua and Matt Ryan. I got to ask my buddy, who I he's an amateur weatherman. <laughs> I'm gonna have to <laughs> ask my buddy Frick to keep an eye on the South Florida situation.
2: I, have, I had a couple of Dak Prescott teams, obviously can't play him this week, and I picked up Tunga Bailoa in a couple of leagues because I thought he was a good starter in Atlanta. I have not found one person that's behind that. Everybody is ridiculing me, and I'm like, look, these waiver no. wires, this is high-stakes fantasy football, they're picked clean. They get Tunga Bailoa off waivers, I'm thrilled, I'm happy, I love it.
0: Oh, You're talking to one, I got him twice, and I was thrilled, two for two, but now I see they're forecasting rain for for uh, Sunday,
2: well, we'll see what happens there. I mean, it certainly could backfire on me, but but I still I'm still keeping the faith, and and we'll see what happens for Sunday morning as far as the weather goes for the for the Dolphins and the Falcons. Uh, Jeff, um, thank you for hanging out a little bit extra with us. I want to bring a couple of emails um, that we got in from listeners this week to to have you answer them. The first one is Brett in Bunnell, Florida, or Bunnell, Florida. I don't know how close that is to where the Dolphins and Falcons will be playing. But he writes, hi, Jeff, with all the injury issues surrounding the Giants, are there any players not named Devontae Booker worth playing in week seven? Thank you, sir. That is Brett (laughs) Bunnell, Florida. Um, Yeah, and this is interesting. By the way, Brett, thank you for the email. Thank you for listening. This is interesting because Evan Ingram got added to the injury report this week. We already know Kenny Galladay is out. We already know Saquon Barkley is out. Kadarius Tony is out. Darius Slayton is questionable. Sterling Shepard's questionable. It sounds like he had a re-aggravation of his hamstring hmm. injury. What are you doing in week seven with these Giants, man? I mean, you're, you're, you can clearly trot out Devontae Booker with all these teams on by. But outside of that, Jeff, do you have any kind of confidence in, in the rest of these Giants players?
0: You know, I, the only one I think has a chance to be effective Sunday is Darius Slayton if he's healthy. Um, they also have, what, Colin Johnson there? Yeah. The oh, yeah. Farrell loves him. Yeah, I mean, I would have guessed he'd be the next man up, right, if all these guys sit out?
1: Yes, sir. He would almost They're have pulling to. him out of parking lot. He was out there controlling the parking lot, making sure everybody had a place <laughs> to park. And now he's actually going to be in uniform and actually playing if all these players go to the side. This is a player. This is a player that deserves a spot to play. He's a Darness Johnson waiting to happen at the wide receiver position.
0: Yeah, I always liked him at Texas, right? He's the Texas boy. Yeah,
1: um, yeah.
0: But, yeah, I mean, Slayton, I mean, Daniel Jones got to throw it to someone in blue, right? I hope it's not Carolina blue. Occasionally. But, Occasionally. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, one more email here me- for you, Jeff. This is for, this is from Lee in uh, St. Clairsville, Ohio. He writes, Will Ramondre Stevenson only become startable with a Damian Harris injury, or can he be flexed out in my main event going forward? Thank you, Lee in St. Clairsville, Ohio. I happen to be a little bit bearish on Ramondre Stevenson. I have been throughout the drafting season. I know he's picked up um, his, his touches and, and how much he's been participating in the Patriots offense the last few weeks. But I still remain skeptical that this guy could be startable even when Damian Harris is healthy. Jeff, your thoughts on, on Ramondre Stevenson and how you view this guy going forward? Well, I'm with
0: you, Balky. I, uh, I was actually very bullish on him in the draft season. Just I uh, like his talent. But, I mean, I've struck out so many years in a row on trying to predict Belichick's running back usage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think in order for him to be, I mean, he, I think he'll get to startable. But in order for him to be startable and have your help your team win, I think uh, Damian Harris needs to either be demoted or something has to happen to him injury wise. There's just not enough touches it seems with Harris. The way they do the, you know, the ball control four yards, four yards. They're just going throw enough to their backs. Not named James White, so. I think Harris has to go down for Stevenson to really emerge.
2: Farrell, that is all the emails I have, my friend. Do you have one final question for Jeff tonight?
1: No, Jeff, it's a question I get to ask every week, my favorite question, and I'm going to ask you, because I know you're not going to be able to give me a Buffalo Bill, So I, I and you've already talked about one of the sleepers, but every week we seem to have a top-drafted player say through the first four or five rounds, a player that everybody counts on every week, except maybe you shouldn't count on him this week. I wonder if you have somebody like that, who's a one-week bust waiting to happen and ruin an otherwise great fantasy week seven for you. And then who might be a sleeper, because God knows we all need one. You've talked about Patterson. We've mentioned Colin Johnson. Do you have anybody else for us that just might be the guy that you should put in there and get some points from. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious guy as far as bust potential, I hate to say it because I love him, but, uh, you know, D.K. Metcalf. Yeah. And, um, Geno Smith. Now I see he's showing up on an injury report. D.K. Wow. And with that Saints pass defense. Um, we know they're talented in the secondary, and another guy. And I don't think um, I don't think his is because of the quarterback or his play. But I'm a little worried about Jamar Chase solely because uh, we all saw what the Ravens did to Justin Herbert and the Chargers. I don't know if that Bengals O line is ready for uh, Coach Martindale's blitzes. So I think if Chase if Burrow has the time, Chase will do just fine. But I'm a little worried about them getting ambushed, just like the Ravens did to uh, Justin Herbert.
2: Uh, And, Jeff, before you get to your sleepers, I do want to point this out. Um, I I host, in addition to my um, afternoon sports talk show here in northeast Wisconsin, I do another fantasy football show here on Thursday afternoons. Um, And my co-host, Leo Kuyper Jr., when we have to do our boss of the week, um, he went out on a limb and he said his bust of the week this week for week seven, DK Metcalf in Seattle. So that's another guy who is not mm. believing in DK Metcalf coming oh, wow. for fantasy owners of week seven. And he also said um, too um, with, uh, with, uh, or no, not, he didn't say, but one of our dedicated listeners, Dr. K, he said the same thing. He's wondering, should he bench Jamar chase because of what he saw the Ravens do to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams last week, too. So there is a lot of people out there, a lot of smart people, people I have a lot of respect for, that are making the same questions. As, as far as, you know, it, it's week seven, got to throw out everybody you can, but you might have to temper expectations for Metcalf and Jamar Chase. But, but uh, people you don't have to temper expectations for, Jeff, somebody that you're throwing out there, somebody who could be a sleeper this week that a lot of people are going to have bench, but that you're a believer in right now.
0: Ooh, benched. Okay, I was going to say I like Devontae Smith, but he's not exactly a sleeper. Um, a little further down the list, I'm liking the signs we're seeing from Darnell Mooney. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, I think the Bucks are going to get up early on the Bears. And as great as the Bucks defense is and was, we know their pass defense is struggling right now due to all the injuries. So I'm very, uh, very high on Mooney. A little further down the list, boy, I don't even want to look. I'm afraid to look. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys Who do it's you rough. like as a deep sleeper, Bulky?
2: It's you know, I don't. It's tough this week, right? Because like anybody who's a deep sleeper, it should probably it is probably somebody I, who was talking about this. I think it was Chris Allen on one of the Football Guys podcast said like any deep sleeper out there is probably already not only rostered but started this week you know because mm-hmm. of, of all yeah. the um you know how how rough it is now i have a i have a buddy who plays in a pretty deep league and and um kevin coleman got added to the um injury report this week which is never good and he's like well what happens if he doesn't go i said well you know midweek injuries that's never a good sign and i said you know look at salvin ahmed for for miami uh, again, against a bad defense at home against the Falcons, Miles Gaskin is so schizophrenic. Malcolm Brown is, is really not a, a player that you can count on. Maybe him, um, but I don't know if i trust him. I know Elijah Mitchell is back, but Trey Sermon is still looming in that backfield for the Colts. So he's a guy that you could probably take a look at as well as far as a, a, a quote-unquote deeper sleeper. Um, I still am waiting for the Randall Cobb, uh, to, you know, to, to, to step up, the Randall Cobb breakout we saw a couple of <laughs> weeks ago. I, I think there's something there. I continue to be a Kendrick Bourne fan, and they faced the Jets this week. I think there's something there. I think you could trot him out uh, as well. And Nico Collins, I saw him picked up in a lot of high-stakes leagues this mm-hmm. week, too. He's questionable. Yeah, I was at just going to mention is, him. I like... He's a, the game Sorry. script favorite. I like him, man. Nico. Like, like,
0: I'm a big Michigan fan, so I, I love Nico's talent. Uh, I mean, he's obviously not in a great situation at Houston. Um, I mean, Davis Mills is doing his best. He's probably not not ready to be out there, but his talent—there's no questioning Nico's talent. I mean, I think if he played at a program that threw the ball more, he would have been drafted at least around maybe two higher. I mean, he's a physical talent.
1: Guys, I'm going so far down the well looking for sleepers and and Jeff I can tell you've been around a few days you've seen a few things in your time and Balky's (laughs) talents belie his young age but I'm going to tell you I'm going to go I'm going to stay in Houston and I'm going to go down 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 and I'm going to tell you that eligible to return this week is an old name that you're familiar with Danny Amendola is my deep sleeper for this weekend. Wow, oh, wake him Lord. up! Put him in down. your lineup if you're that desperate. Wake him up. You're, something's going to happen with Danny Amendola versus Arizona. So there you. Go.
2: I, ne- I, mean, guys, this I is never. Guys, it-
1: contest.
2: <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. When Danny Amendola would be the second most important Amendola in the NFL as far as fantasy football goes, <laughs> it's Matt Amendola is crushing football between the uprights of the New York Jets right now. This is the world we're living in. It's 2021. Oh. Uh, and we're talking about Danny Amendola here. Farrell, I love it almost as much as I loved our conversation with the fifth place team in the Football Guys Players Championship, the one, the only, the former minor league hockey goalie turned lawyer, <laughs> it is Jeff Mayer. Jeff, thank you so much for putting up with all of our audio issues tonight. What a pleasurable conversation we had with you. Good luck to you the rest of the way in not only this league, your dynasty league, but all your leagues. Uh, it, it was so much fun talking to you, and hopefully we can do this again soon, man. Thank you so much. Now,
0: Balky, can I ask one quick question of you real quick? Did I hear you fire say away. you were make nineteen and? Did I hear you say you were nineteen and three last week?
2: Last week I was, yes.
0: So that means you have twenty-two teams you manage. Because my buddies make fun of me that I have so many teams, but I only have twelve that I manage. So that means I can yes. have ten more next year, right? <laughs>
1: Jeff, that's exactly right. And all of Balky's teams are managed in the KFFSC <laughs> where you should come and add your ten teams. We've got ten teams waiting for you. We'll look for an on-air commitment from you right now <laughs> to make your way to Louisville in August next year. We'll have ten or more teams for you. You should also increase your territory in the FFPC because I'll tell you what, you're in fifth place in a contest that has 10,000-plus teams. Think about that for a minute.
2: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, everything Farrell said is true, Jeff.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm going to have to take you up on this, Farrell. Louisville and there
1: I'll you go, that, Balky. a second on-air commitment from 2020, <laughs> <I love it.
2: laughs> Jeff. The first bourbon is on me when we get to Louisville go, next baby. August. Man. All right, I'll bring, my, uh, you, 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 I'll
0: bring my horse racing buddy on. He'll, he'll
1: come with me as my oh, consigliere. Oh, God, he'll love it. Everybody love should it. travel it's with it. a horse racing buddy. I've always said
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much, dude. We'll talk to you again soon, man. This was awesome. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Jeff Blair, ladies and gentlemen, the fifth place team in the Football Guys Players Championship and soon to be. KFFSC competitor in twenty twenty two. Can't wait to talk to him. What a good guy to have in Kentucky, huh, Farrell?
1: Oh man, I tell you that's great. I don't know how much of the show I missed, but I can tell you guys had a mighty fine time without me. Thanks for finally getting me back in. Well
2: we yeah, no, and, and I apologize for that. You actually did not miss as much as you as you thought. As soon as we got live and I got Jeff on, um I, I reached out to you right away. Oh, you did not excellent. miss much. Which is, which is very good. And we own, as a result, the way that BTR is set up, we have only about ten minutes here. Uh, the rest of the okay. way, so uh, let's go rapid fire on these start sit questions that we got in from listeners, and we'll see if we can get sure. all four of them that I wanted to get in tonight. Uh, the first one is from Rich in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Got me some bye week issues this week. Who is my second flex in football, guys? Marquez Callaway or AJ Green? Appreciate you. That is Rich in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Okay. So as we look at this, now Callaway is going to be going up against the Seattle Seahawks defense in Seattle on Monday Night Football. A.J. Green gets the luxury of playing the lowly Houston Texans at home. You can talk about game script. You can talk about a lot of things with this matchup, Farrell. But if you only could start one of these guys, is it Callaway or is it A.J. Green for you in Week 7, man? Rich, you
1: have no problems is all I can tell you because you can't make a mistake here. Now, it, it Marquez Callaway is, is on a team coming out of a bye with a quarterback and a speed receiver that must be able to connect. And they won't be able to take their foot off the gas because they fear the situation of Seattle striking quick with the talent that they've got. Seattle's got a lot of offensive talent despite the fact that their quarterback is gone. So I believe in this situation, I'm going to count on New Orleans coming out of the bye week and go with Marquez Callaway. A.J. Green is a gold standard. He's loving it, playing in, in Arizona. What happens when a talented leadership player doesn't have to do all the work, it's fantastic. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns the rest of the year. But Callaway has a little bigger upside just because of the opponent. You know Davis Mills is throwing for a lot of yards, but you look at the scoreboard and they can't get to double figures because when they get in the red zone, they they have some problems. Let's go, Marquez Callaway today.
2: Yeah, and and I'm going to agree with you there. Now uh, the Dizzle is in the chat room saying it's an easy call. It's AJ Green, and I don't think it's easy either way. But and I will say this, and 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 you just look at the Cardinals matchup, right? Seventeen and a half point favorites at home against the Mm -hmm. Texans in a total of forty-seven and a half. To me, this screams like, okay, it's going to be Chase Edmonds and James Conner a ton in the second half. And even if it's not, you still have Rondale Moore there. You still have DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and the newly added Zach Ertz. What do you have in New Orleans? Well, it's, it's Marquez Callaway, and then I don't know. You know, the, the tight ends mm. haven't been stepping up. Kamara for sure, but Traquan Smith's on the injury report. Michael Thomas still a few, few weeks away. If they're throwing the ball, it's going to be to Callaway. So I'm going to roll with Callaway there. As well, moving on to John in New Haven, Connecticut. I think I'm going to roll with two tight ends this week in my main event. So who joins TJ Hawkinson in my lineup? Mm. Is it Gerald Everett against the Saints or Janu Smith against the Jets? That is John in New Haven, Connecticut. John, thank you so much. So another Monday Night Football one here. You have um, uh, Gerald Everett taking on those New Orleans Saints coming off the bye, as you pointed out, Farrell. You have Janu Smith against the lowly Jets. Who's it going to be? For uh, John in New Haven, Connecticut, who's looking to add a second tight end in his flex spot.
1: We counted on Shane Rolder to make Everett an every week start. We haven't seen that yet. There hasn't been an adjustment. It looks like business as usual with the uh, tight end position. We all hope for Everett to emerge, but every week goes by, we don't see it. Now, Johnny Smith. We identified the downfield uh, target as Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. We said would be great. You could actually start both these tight ends. It hasn't been that way because of the emergence of some uh, of some of the receivers, including Kendrick Bourne, and the fact that the quarterback just does not throw the ball that often. He's, he's, there's not a whole lot of attempts uh, coming from Jones. This is a flip the coin situation. If you believe that. You cannot run the ball against the New Orleans Saints, which I believe, any of those four running backs that we were going to talk about earlier in the show, I don't think they can successfully run the ball against the Saints. Perhaps Everett gets his chance here to do something because the running game doesn't work. A short passing game over the middle, Everett can move when he catches the ball. I think whenever it does have his breakout game, it's going to be a big game. I like big games, especially in the bye week. Let's go with Gerald Everett.
2: Yeah, and it's close for me, too. I think I'm going to go Johnu Smith here, uh, and I know Hunter Henry's taking the step forward, but Gerald Everett, um, only three targets against Pittsburgh last week. I am a little bit nervous about him getting um, uh, enough Mm -hmm. looks uh, in this offense with Geno Smith, so I think I'm going to go with Johnu Smith, who seems to be going the other direction. But it's one of those things, Farrell. Ask me tomorrow, I might say it's going to be Everett over Jonu Smith, but right now I will say Smith moving forward. To a quarterback question. Ben in Rock Island, Illinois. I spent a weekend there one night. That is uh, Ben's question here. Hey, guys, no DAC for me this week, so I picked up Matt Ryan. But now I'm wondering if Justin Fields against the Bucs could put up some great garbage time stats. Who would you roll with? Great podcast. That's Ben in Rock Island, Illinois. This is interesting, uh, Farrell, because Matt Ryan, you look at that matchup for him this week, he gets the Dolphins. And he gets the Dolphins uh, in Miami. You look at Justin Fields. He's also on the road, but it's in Tampa. And to me, Justin Mm -hmm. Fields could have an awful first half, but he could end up, you know, similar to how Jalen Hurts has been doing it this season, have a great second half. And for fantasy, you know, you end up looking pretty good. Matt Ryan is a two-point favorite with a total of 47.5 in that Falcons-Dolphins game. Justin Fields, only 47 on the total. They're 11.5-point dogs. You didn't have Dak Prescott this week. Is Matt Ryan or is Justin Fields the correct start?
1: I really think what you've got to look at coming out of the bye week is the veteran quarterback, Matt Ryan, in this situation. You know, he has the emerging pits, uh, the returning Ridley and the, the oddly phenomenal, uh, quarter Patterson, uh, on his club and then things <laughs> oddly are happening. phenomenal. And this,
2: that is great.
1: Uh, these, these, these guys, uh, yeah, you know, these guys are stepping up for this football team, and I see a lot of things happening uh, with the Falcons offensively that I didn't expect at the start of the year. And we even expected Hayden Hurst and uh, Pitts to complement each other at, at dual tight ends, and that is beginning to happen there. Justin Fields, do you ever think about it, Balky? Tampa's you know, Tampa's run defense—you cannot run the ball against them. It might it might have something to do with how many yards are actually completed against that against that secondary, because we, when you can't run the ball, you've got to do something with it. So if you can't run the ball for quarterback like Justin Fields, a young quarterback, he looked good last week because he was helped by a terrific effort from uh, Herbert. He's not going to have that situation this week. I think it's a very, very long day for him. I agree. Um, I, I agree that Mooney, uh, as Jeff stated, uh, should look to have a pretty good game. But Matt Ryan's going to uh, put the ball in the end zone this week against Miami. That's this quarterback that I'm going with. And I'm going to check that weather report that Jeff us in. But Matt Ryan can throw a good heavy ball in the rain. I should be fine.
2: Um, I, you know, as tempting as it is to say to roll with the talent, roll with the upside, roll with the unknown of Justin Fields, I think I've seen enough from Justin Fields to know right now that he is not ready to perform at a primetime level. Uh, and, and Matt Ryan I think is Especially when you consider Calvin Ridley Is back this week Kyle Pitts had his breakout game last week They're coming off the bye They're facing uh, a defense that's been underperforming Give me the veteran quarterback With the extra week to prepare Over the rookie quarterback <laughs> Going up against the defending Super Bowl champs Close, tempting to start Fields. I think the smart way to do it Is with Matt Ryan Final question tonight Comes from Phil in Tulsa Dear Farrell and Balky I just can't seem to start Miles Gaskin on the right week. Is this the correct week to do it based (laughs) on the every other week theory? Or should I get J.D. McKissick in there against Balky's Packers instead? That's Phil in Tulsa. Thank you for the email, Phil. I'm actually going to be going to the game, Farrell. I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm going to the game um, uh, Sunday afternoon uh, against Washington, so I will be able to take in – J.D. McKissick in all his glory because he is go, the guy man. I would start over Miles Gaskin here in in this matchup. Miles Gaskin to me
1: looks like sometimes he lacks uh, concentration. His statistics suggest he lacks he lacks consistency. I don't want to say it's, it's it's effort oriented, but I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a lot of cohesiveness out of this offense. Uh, it looks like. It looks like the jet-lagged uh, Miami Dolphin offense. So I'm in a situation where I realize Gaskin caught 10 of 10 balls against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and, and they were largely giving him that and won by 25-plus points. Uh, we've, we've already talked about McKissick and how we like his consistency. I'm going to side on McKissick here all day long in this matchup, and Gaskin may have a successful game, but only if the Dolphins are really ineffective uh, defensively uh, against Atlanta. And, you know, we talk about Tampa's uh, pass defense. Uh, the Dolphins are 29th in,
2: in defending the pass in the NFL. And and that might be all you need to know right there. And and certainly it comes to us from one of the most knowledgeable guys out there in uh, high-stakes fantasy football, the commissioner of the KFFSC, Farrell Elliott, Farrell, thanks so much for being patient with me tonight. I really appreciate you, and I hope the ball bounces your way in the biocalypse in uh, week seven <laughs> here, and uh, we'll we'll do this again next Friday, dude, and and preview week eight when thank God we won't have six teams on bye. Enjoy going to the game, Balky. I think it'll be a good one. Thank you so much, Farrell. I really appreciate that, and I hope it is. That is going to do it, ladies and gentlemen, for our show tonight. I want to thank Jeff Blair. I want to thank Farrell Elliott. I want to thank Rob Bryce, of course, everybody, for putting up with all the audio issues we had tonight. You guys are truly all-stars uh, for doing that. Uh, we will be back at 10, 9 Central next week with a uh, fresh high-stakes guest who is dominating the, uh, the high-stakes landscape. Uh, certainly, hopefully, you tune in for that. We won't have any audio issues. Fingers crossed next week. Everybody enjoy week seven. Make sure you are paying attention to that second waiver run in case you are having any issues. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening and we'll talk with you again next week. Reminder, ladies and gentlemen, uh, no London game this week. Thank God, right? All the games start at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, so you won't have to get up super early to get those lineups set. And quite frankly, this might be the easiest lineup setting week ever because so many players, Farrell mentioned it on the KFFSE podcast with Rob Fletcher, like there's 26 slam-dunk no-brainer starts this week that cannot be started because of bye weeks. And uh, significantly much more than that, that will probably be would have been started this week had they been available. So uh, get those lineups in uh, and, and uh, hang on and and hold on tight um, because uh, if you can make it through week seven, you can make it through anything. Much like this podcast. And <laughs> I thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week.